And rising up, the whole group of them led Jesus before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man corrupting our nation and forbidding the paying of the poll tax to Caesar and claiming that he himself is an anointed a king. And so Pilate interrogated him, saying, You are the king of the Judeans. In answer, he said to him, You say so. And Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowds, I find no crime in this man. But they were insistent, saying, He agitates the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee, to right here. And hearing this, Pilate asked whether the man was a Galilean. And realizing he is under Herod's authority, he sent him up to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem in those days. And Herod, on seeing Jesus, was overjoyed, for he had been wishing to see him for a long time, since he had heard about him, and hoped to see some prodigy performed by him. And he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood there, accusing him vehemently, and holding him in contempt and mocking him, Herod, along with his soldiers, cast splendid garments down and mocked him and sent him back to Pilate. And on that very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. For previously, they were in enmity with one another. And Pilate, summoning together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said to them, you brought this man to me as one corrupting the people. And look, I have examined this man before you and have found no element of the things you accuse him of. But neither has Herod, for he sent him back. And look, nothing has been done by him deserving of death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one man to the people for the festival. But they shouted out, the whole crowd all together, take this man and release Barabbas to us. This man was in prison for an insurrection that had occurred in the city and for murder. But Pilate called out to them, wishing to release Jesus, but they kept on shouting, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! But he said to them a third time, What evil has this man done? I have found in him no cause for death. I shall therefore punish and release him. But they insisted in a loud voice, asking that he be crucified, and their voices prevailed. And Pilate decided that they would have what they demanded. And he released the man, thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, who they had asked for, but he handed Jesus to their will. And as they were led away, they seized Simon, a certain Cyrenian, coming from the field, and they placed a cross on him to carry behind Jesus. And a large multitude of the people followed him, a 
as well as the women who mourned and lamented for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep over me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For you see, days are coming where they will say, Blessed are the barren and wombs that have not given birth and the breasts that have not nursed. They will say to the mountains, Fall upon us and to the hills, cover over us. For if this is what they do when the tree is full of sap, what will happen when it is dry? And two others, wrongdoers, were led off with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there as well as the criminals, one at his right and one at his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And dividing his garments, the soldiers also mocked him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if this man is the chosen. And the soldiers also mocked him, approaching and offering vinegar and saying, if you're the king of the Judeans, save yourself. And there was an epigraph above him, this is the king of the Judeans. And one of the criminals hanging there insulted him. Are you not the anointed? Save us and yourself. But the other rebuking him said, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We have received a return for the things that we did, but this man did nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Amen, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And now it was about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Inasmuch as the sun was darkened, and the veil in the temple sanctuary was torn down the middle, and crying out in a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And saying this, he breathed out his spirit. And the centurion, seeing that this had happened, gave glory to God and said, this truly was an upright man. And all of the crowds that had gathered for the spectacle, seeing what had happened, returned home, beating their breasts. But all who had been his acquaintances stood at a distance, along with the women who had accompanied him from Galilee watching these things. And look, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a man good and just, this man had not agreed with the council and their actions. From Arimathea, a city of the Judeans, he was awaiting the kingdom of God. And approaching Pilate, this man requested the body of Jesus. And taking it down, he wrapped it in linen and placed him in a carven tomb 
where no one had yet been laid. And it was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was approaching. And following behind, the women who had come out with him from Galilee saw the tomb and how the body had been laid out and went back and prepared spices and ointment. But they rested on the Sabbath in keeping with the commandment.
on the day that turned human history, on the day that death met its final place and began to reverse itself, on the day when we finally could see the way fully, because you had shown it to us fully. We ask that we would encounter your spirit today, that we would become more and more the image of Christ, that God, you would continue the work of tying all things up in your love, in your goodness, and in your Son. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, happy Easter Sunday. The Gospel text that we read at the beginning of the service from the Gospel of Luke, it's kind of an interesting text because unlike some of the other accounts of the Gospels, which linger a little bit longer and end up showing us how the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection physically saw Christ resurrected. In Luke's account, up until where we've read, they don't physically see Jesus. All they see is an empty tomb. And a short while later, they will see Jesus in the flesh. They'll see him on the road, walking with them. They'll come into a room, he'll be on a beach cooking fish for them. They'll encounter Christ physically. But at this point, what I find so interesting is that the women and Peter who have seen the resurrection have only seen that there isn't a body. They've only seen that death has not had the final word, but they have not yet had that confidence or that clarity that comes with seeing him physically resurrected, which means that these women felt the resurrection of Christ before they saw the resurrection of Christ. Does that make sense? They saw evidence of it, and they felt what it did to them long before they knew it with certainty and could reflect on what it did. In seeing the empty tomb, they began already automatically to feel their souls expanding, their life expanding. They felt a fire go into their bones simply because the tomb was empty. But not just because there was a resurrection. I've been thinking about this a bit this week. And I've realized that resurrection on its own actually doesn't tell us that much. They felt expanded in their soul. They felt a fire enter their bones because of who was resurrected from the dead. Does that make sense? Because of who he was. Like if, if we all found out that, God forbid, uh, God raised Hitler from the dead, <laughs> we wouldn't be like, yay! We'd be like, what is happening? Right? Like if someone that we consider evil, cruel, and dictators are raised from the dead, this is not good news. We don't know what God is raising people from the dead, but we're not thrilled about it. It was because of who was raised from the dead. It was because it was Jesus. Because Jesus was a particular kind of person, and Jesus posed a particular kind of threat. It is because Jesus was raised from the dead that the resurrection expanded the souls of those who first encountered it. So in what way was Jesus a threat? Think about for a moment, if, if there's someone in your life that you know, close your eyes, think for a second, and they're just like a really good person. Like they always do what they say they're gonna do. You sense that behind closed doors, they still live with integrity to who they are when they present themselves to others. Think of a person who you know is always going to do what they know they should do 
And maybe I'm picturing someone right now, someone who's righteous, they do what's right, they're good. These kinds of people, these people are the light of the world, they are the salt of the earth, and they are super uncomfortable to hang out with. <laughs> right? Those kind of people that are like lit up, you're like, oh my gosh, here they go again with their integrity. <laughs> oh my god, oh yeah, we better make sure we don't pay in cash because we've got to pay our taxes. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, those kind of people that just, it's like, they're, they're, they're not bad. You couldn't say a bad thing about them. Love them, couldn't say a bad thing about them. And yet their very presence makes us uncomfortable. Because the light in them exposes perhaps the lingering shadows that we hide in. Because the light in them reveals that it's been darker than we thought it was. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, you can even see as we were moving around how every group looks at him trying to find some reason that they can execute him because his light was so profound that in light of his light, no darkness could abound. No one was going to join shadowy religion anymore. No one was going to join the darkness of the empire. Even the crowd say, this is too much light to look upon. It makes us uncomfortable. Would you make it go away? And no one can find a way to make it go away in justice. And so they are forced to falsely execute the man just to silence him and bury him deep in the dark. The way of Jesus was lighting people up. We spent a long time walking through the Sermon on the Mount as a congregation. The way of Jesus was lighting people up. People were forgiving their enemies. People were reconciling with the other. People were returning to God. Not through the formal channels of religion, but through deep encounters with the Spirit. People were lighting up, and much like if you think about other seasons where we gather together like this, Easter, or I'm sorry, Christmas Eve, when you pass that candle and the flame spreads from one to the other, that was happening automatically, spreading like wildfire, like yeast in dough. This was bubbling up, and the powers that be knew there was nothing they could do to stop it. So they put him on a cross. And they buried him in the ground. And they tried to ignore the truth that his way was the way to life. Life now and life in the age to come. That his way was coherent. That his way was the light. And that his way was going to win. So they buried him in the ground as deep as they could, and they banished his soul down to Hades, and even in the darkness of the abyss, the darkness could not swallow up the light. I think we probably need that one this year, don't we? Take a second to remember it. Wars and rumors of wars. False prophets and false voices, this is nothing new. This darkness is nothing new. We just didn't really pay attention until a couple of years ago. But this darkness is not new. It has always been there. It has always tried to extinguish the light. And the light that is Christ cannot, will not be extinguished because it is the light that has come from heaven to earth, that has been buried under the earth, that has illuminated the abyss, that has brought the past back into our world, which has scattered that light to all who receive it, 
which now fills the heavens again. The light wins. Amen. The light wins. The darkness cannot conquer it. It's already tried and it's already failed. Christ is risen. So what does resurrection feel like? Well, like the women at this time, I can't tell you what it looks like physically. Not eyewitness to it. But I can tell you that I've encountered it. And I don't think there's a person sitting in this room who hasn't encountered this resurrection in some level of resonance, at some level of frequency. Because honestly, why else would you be in church? It's so weird. There's no reason to be here unless you've tasted of something, right? There's no reason to gather and sing songs and stare at a candle unless something about this light has gotten to you before. So look for that. Find that in your psyche, in your soul right now. What does that light feel like to you? feels to me like an expansion. feels to me like the limitations of being pushed back. feels to me like new opportunities emerge as the light brings its life. This week I got to spend one afternoon in a sunbeam. I don't know if any of you have gotten to do this yet. I only had a handful of really warm days, but I got to go sit in the backyard. And I was sitting and the light's just beaming on you and I was meditating on this text just trying to think, what does resurrection feel like? What does it feel like? And as I was sitting there, I could hear the wind blowing in the trees. And a cardinal perched on the top of the highest tree in our backyard and started singing. And the sun was like filling my bones and just like thawing out those cold, cold winter bones, you know? That fire returning inside of me. And this is kind of weird, but I took off my shoes because it was like so nice. I wanted my bare feet to feel it. And the sun was so tremendous. And the awareness of light and the energy of light so tangible that my toes started to do this kind of thing. I don't know if any of you had that in the sun, like a cat, like you start moving automatically, like you just gotta get it all. What's up with that? I don't know. Have you done it though? <laughs> If you've ever stretched out, nobody sits in the sun like this. You extend yourself, you stretch out. When the light hits you, it energizes your body and your body stretches out. Hear this, please. Spiritually, when the light of truth hits us, we stretch out. We stretch out. We grow in compassion. We grow in love for all, even our enemies. We grow in patience. We grow in humility. We extend naturally from the spiritual light in the same way we extend naturally from the physical light. And so as we gather here together today, let's think of one another like a big forest full of trees and plants that are receiving the light after a long winter. And we're all here to stretch out. We're all here to raise our voice. We're all here to extend with light to the God who gives us light. We're here because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I got that's a tricky one. <laughs> we're here because Christ is risen. He is risen. 
And so let's stretch out together. It will look different for each one of you. But you know, you know what stretching out looks like for you. So let's sing. Let's eat cake for communion. <laughs> and let's watch the children. And let's receive.